You're listening to the More to Life podcast. In each episode, we'll talk with authors and artists about what happened in their life, where they are now, and how they can help you, while ultimately pointing you to the author of life, Jesus. As guests share their stories, we hope that you'll discover purpose and meaning to all of the moments in your life, whether they be messy, mundane, or monumental. In other words, we hope you'll find more to life. Thanks for joining us. How do you handle hard times? Best-selling romantic suspense author Diane Mills says she likes to be challenged as an author. But Diane shares how she was also challenged personally with a tragedy that is woven throughout the storyline of her latest novel, Facing the Enemy. In this podcast, Diane is transparent about how the Lord helped her grow through the experience of grief, sacrifice, unconditional love, and determination. These same themes emerge in her novel about an FBI agent who is filled with guilt over the death of her brother, knowing she was the intended target. For Diane, Facing the Enemy is not only a healing book, it's also a hopeful one. How are you doing this Tuesday morning? Oh, so far, so good. We've had some rain this morning and our electricity was flickering. So hopefully we stay connected. Ah, uh, well, I'm in Houston and okay. and we've had upward of 110 to 120. Oh my goodness. Index. And um, I love the heat. Right. I mean, why I, I live here. I love the heat uh-huh. and I love the humidity. And when I'm in a dry area, I miss it. Uh-huh. This is a bit much. Yeah. So. I, that is a bit much for sure. We're in Florida too. But it, yeah. So we've been um, having yeah, we've been having a lot of heat too. Not in not as much as that. That's pretty extreme. Yeah. So I was gonna tell you just a little bit about who we are more to life started as a print magazine and it's for Christian women and basically just to obviously encourage them in their walk um, with the Lord, but also to introduce them to Christian products that they might not be familiar with, or even some that they are familiar with and they just want to learn more about. Since then we've kind of, we've gone mainly just digital um, and we've started this podcast as well. So, but our goal is still the same to help uh, women find more to life through Um, products that they could find at their local Christian bookstore. So that's what we do. So that's why we wanted to highlight you and your new book. I'm sure some of our listeners and readers would be familiar with you, but um, it's exciting that you have a new project coming out. You know, I don't have a favorite book. Um, You know, that's like saying which one of my kids or my grandkids are my favorite, (laughs) but, you know, always the one that's coming out. Mm excited nervous it's like sending your child to school for the first day and hoping they don't come back with a note yeah um so anyway this this is thrilling for me too it's always thrilling yeah when uh something new comes out when god blesses me with a a new story Mm -hmm. that's neat yeah so your newest book is always your favorite one right Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. That's a good answer. Uh, how many books have you written? This makes number 92. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and don't ask me how that happened. That <laughs> is, uh, you know, that is all God's things. Uh, you know, I can say a few things that are funny, like, oh, man, I really, really wish I had kept a spreadsheet of all my characters 
<laughs> and their professions because now it's it's hard to think, did I use that character name? Did I use <laughs> this one? You know, those kinds of things. So if I had it to do all over again, I would be a little more organized. <laughs> That's true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. You would have to kind of make sure that you didn't duplicate scenarios or names or anything like that. That's funny. Uh, how did you get started with writing? Actually, I started writing uh, when I was in the second grade and holding a number two pencil <laughs> and a big chief notebook pad. You know, those were yellow. They were clearly yellow. And uh, I wrote my first story on one of those, but I really didn't have the uh, confidence to write anything and keep it. I wrote mm. things, but I always destroyed them until uh, 96. Mm. And my husband said to me, stop telling me that someday you're going to write a book. Mm. Just quit your job. I'll give you a year. If you can get anything published and you don't have to get paid for it, but if you can get anything published, you don't ever have to go back to your other job. <laughs> so this five foot two lady said, you're on. <laughs> and uh, I did. I wrote a book that year and sold it. And I wrote some articles and I, I didn't realize that many, many writers go years before anything's published. Mm -hmm. So I was a bit naive, but it was a, clearly a blessing. Mm -hmm. The funny thing, Andrea, now is um, my husband works full-time helping me. So <laughs> That's great. Now, what were you doing before you became a writer or full-time writer? I directed a daycare that had preschool. Oh. No, I didn't write for children, but that's what I did. It, yeah. it was um, suspenseful at times. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And what was the first book then that you sold that you were talking about? It was called Rehoboth. Mm. And it was a, um, a historical romance that I sold to Barber back when they were doing their Heart Song Presents. And I think I ended up writing about 26 books for them. Wow. But that's how I got started till I realized that my, my challenge, which became my love and my passion, was romantic suspense. Mm -hmm. And so I trailed off in that direction and uh, have never regretted it. I I love the challenge. If I'm, I'm the type of writer who has to be challenged. I can't have a cut and paste template. Mm -hmm. I can't have all my characters have to be this way. My plot has to go that way. I have to outline a story. Heaven forbid if I ever have to outline a story. So uh, I welcome I welcome all those ins and outs and twists and turns. And actually, when the reader finds a body, it's often as much a surprise for me as it is for them. 
I think that is so fascinating to me. I'd want to know, okay, what's going to happen, but you just go along with the flow, right? You just go where the story takes you, I guess. Uh, I believe the uh, official term is organic writer and very much into character. I do 17 to 20 pages of characterization before chapter one, line one, mm-hmm. but all of that, the plot comes out of what I know about the character. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. I, that is, I didn't realize that was such a crucial part. I mean, I guess as I, as a reader, that is one thing I really enjoy is when you really, the character seems real, you know, so that, that would be important to, to have your character very well defined. Very much so. And you always learn so much about that character as you take them through a challenge, a tragedy, a barrier, a triumph, a victory. Mm -hmm. You learn so much more about them um, along the way. It's like, oh, I have a new friend and uh, this is what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. Well, so you didn't originally get started with the romantic suspense, but um, now most of your stories are that genre. So, and yeah. I noticed too, a lot of them have to do with the FBI. Um, yes. Why, why the FBI? Several years ago, I decided I wanted to write an FBI book. And I am very much into research, very much. Um, I've been to Sudan. I rode the line with the Border Patrol. I've done a lot of crazy, uh, wild things, but I wanted to write uh an FBI book. So I called the FBI office here in Houston, told them who I was, what I uh, was looking for, information, things of that nature. And the media coordinator and I, we we just instantly became very good friends, realized we didn't live very far from each other. And it became a wonderful, wonderful relationship. Uh, I was... Um, thoroughly researched, you know, all the things that they need to do. And I understand that. And then she just opened up files of closed cases and laid them out and said, Diane, I think this would be a background for a good story. This may be a background for a good story. So not only did she help me uh, make sure that the investigations and the FBI life were accurate, but she also gave me many ideas to plot stories. Hmm. Uh, since then, she ha- she is no longer with uh, that office. Well, she is, but she's in another area. And I now have a, a direct line to uh, an FBI agent in DC who helps wow. me with the same information. And that is so critical. No writer ever wants to receive the email that says, (laughs) hey, this is my profession and you got this all wrong. Mm. So the accuracy is is critical to me to uh, thrill the readers, let them know that what I'm giving them is credible, but also to keep those readers. Yeah. That's really fascinating. And that's neat how that very first phone call, you just really connected to begin with, with that lady. That's kind of a divine intervention there. Yes. And she put me right in line with the Houston FBI Citizens Academy class. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that was back in 2012, and I'm still a part of that. It's very, very uh, interesting, rewarding uh, sessions, special workshops given by the agents who worked some crimes and cases that um, are interesting, sad, rewarding, victorious. And then uh, there's always a, a, a reach out to the community to uh, help certain charities, children at risk and things of that nature too. So it's mm. a very good organization, very much worth my time and yeah. to be involved. Oh, that's neat. Um, I'm sorry, I was thinking about something else that you mentioned too. She said she showed you some cold case. Uh, did uh-huh. you use any of those for like material for your books? Is that how that yes. worked? Or- oh, okay. Yeah. Wow, that's fascinating. It um, it was a unique experience to contact um, the people, a few people who had been victims, but the case was solved, and they were open to talk about it. Yeah, that was good. Wow, that would be really interesting for sure. So let's talk about your latest book, Facing the Enemy. Um, Now, when does that come out? Uh, September the 5th. Okay, perfect. And can you tell uh, our listeners a little bit about um, the storyline behind that book? The storyline behind uh, the story itself is uh, a woman FBI agent Uh, connects with her brother, and she has been estranged from her brother. He had chosen a lifestyle of of drugs and a living that that he purposely did not want any part of his family. So they met after a, a couple of years, and he has found faith. He's been clean for about six months, and he just wanted to apologize to her and they leave the restaurant where they meet and they are going to go to uh, her apartment where they're going to contact their parents and just have this wonderful, wonderful reunion. But in crossing the street, uh, he, how do I say this in a way? He shoves her out of the way of an incoming, of an oncoming car. Mm. And when he shoves her out of the way, he is hit and killed. Mm. And that set the foundation for the story, especially when she learns right afterwards that she was the intended victim, not him. Mm. Oh, wow. So that means she's got to face the enemy, mm. which was the basis for the story. And I will tell you this. If I can do it in a a clear breath, I may have to stop and get a drink of water here. But um, we lost one of our sons in July of 2021 in a pedestrian accident, Mm -hmm. walking across the street in the pedestrian zone. And the person came tearing through the intersection and hit him and he was killed. Mm -hmm. And at that time, uh, I wrote in my journal often more than once a day with anger and grief and bitterness and the whys. And 
shaking my fist at God and uh, wondering why this person who had done this terrible thing had chosen to hit and run, you, that kind of thing. So when the time came that I needed to write this book and I realized the storyline had been established before this happened, I opened up my journal and used my feelings, but in Reese's personality. So this book is special to me because it's my healing book. Um, and enough said, enough said about that, but it is my healing book. And that's why it's special to me. Every story is special, but that is why this one is. I was able to show grief and sacrifice, unconditional love, determination, and, and passion as other areas of the um, story brought forth uh, the themes that have been in my life. The, the son who had been killed was adopted. I used adoption as part of the themes in um, in the story. So as I said, it's a healing story. And I was able to uh, dive into the topic of loss, how to cope with grief, things to do, things not to do. And, uh, and of course, the role of, of faith. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that as you said, must've been a little therapeutic too, I guess, also to be able to write this story and help process things and, and see how God was at work through it. And I, yeah, like you said, so many different emotions, I'm sure were mm -hmm. on the surface there. Um, so speaking of coping with grief and everything, how did the main character Reese cope with her grief? At first, she was uh, very, very angry and uh, just sorrow-ridden, just like we would be. But she realized that with some threatening notes, that for her to keep those close to her safe, she had to walk away from them. Mm -hmm. This was at a time in her life when she needed to be surrounded by friends and family mm -hmm. and to support each other and to help her and them walk through this, but she had to walk away. And in doing that, she showed unconditional love without realizing mm -hmm. where God was sending her. Mm -hmm. And so she was, she was alone. She was determined to find out who killed her brother, no matter what the cost. So while those around her believed that she had resigned from the FBI, in actuality, she had not. She was still working, not undercover, but uh, in a role that only her director knew what she was doing and trying to find out who had killed her brother, why she was the target, and to find justice. Mm. So she seemed kind of what you mentioned, had the determination and the sacrificial love. Is that, were those some of the things that helped you cope with grief as you personally were going um, through this? Or did you 
Yes, I understand your question and you're a little (laughs) because, you know, oh, my goodness, is Diane going to break down on this uh, recording? No, I'm not going to break down. At least I'm going to do my best. But it did help me see the world in a different view. I think many times as Christians, we keep ourselves too isolated that we only have friends with Christian friends and we only do things with Christian people. And we aren't open to being transparent with the rest of the world and showing them what a true Christian is, that yes, we hurt, but our our strength is in the rock. And that rock will keep us strong even when we're angry with him for what has happened. It helped me to grow stronger uh, definitely helped me to write a better uh, book. It's helped me in other relationships, uh, helped me write devotions and blog posts and my speaking. Everything has helped me to grow. And, you know, if growth is, is it's a simple equation. Growth comes out of pain. So you can't even, expect to grow closer to God and and fulfill your purpose if you don't feel a little pain in between. And uh, that's what that did for me. Uh, It honestly helped me to see the rest of the world, how the rest of the world's hurting, uh, and hopefully not only in facing the enemy, but other books that I write, I can show more of that perspective instead of a, an isolated little dome that we tend to live in. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I, like you said, I didn't want to ask, cause I know that's so personal, but I know that other people have dealt with similar situations or even just any type of grief and how, how you were able to get through that with the Lord and um, not being isolated <laughs> for sure. Right. Yeah. So how does faith play uh, a role in this story facing the enemy? Well, she's, it's not that she is finished with God. She just believes she's going to do this herself. Uh, God let her down. She let herself down. She blames herself because she was the target. So she's fighting this spiritual battle of it was my fault. It was God's fault. Uh, And So she's got to walk through some pretty deep waters to get to the point of, okay, Lord, I made some big, huge mistakes here. I need for my life to align with yours. Uh, There's a favorite scene I have when uh, Risa confronts uh, a young man who is a suspect. And she totally, totally loses it. Uh, I mean, she loses her anger. She's over the top. There's no Christianity in how she reacts. But I needed to show that. I needed to show that, you know what? We aren't all perfect. We do have those times when God doesn't get to us and we choose another path. And actually... That was my favorite scene because right in the middle of the intensity, she realizes what she's done and she immediately flees from the scene. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, it's she faces herself. So facing the enemy can sometimes mm. be ourselves. Oh, wow. That is so true. Yeah. I know I was reading a little bit about her character and you said that she's a perfectionist and mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> when you are a perfectionist, sometimes <laughs> yourself, you can be your own worst enemy for sure. Um, what, do you kind of relate to her in that way? I feel like oh. I was, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, I tend to be a perfectionist and God is constantly reminding me that, you know, you don't have the program yet, girl. Um, you have a long way to go. So there's always lessons for me to learn. And I, I think even though a writer tries very, very hard not to put themselves in a story, but to write a unique character, there are times when certain traits slip back into the author. And uh, for me, it's the perfectionism, knowing that that is not the way to be but still we think that we have to react and act, behave, say, speak, whatever, in this dynamic, spiritual, perfect uh, manner. And it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not ever going to happen. Yeah. I know. I was just thinking of the, the verse that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And so sometimes you're right. It is those weak moments that we need to show us that it's not all about us and it's, it has nothing to do with us, really. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. One thing I love about the story is how the uh, the hero, the love interest, never gave up on her. Mm. Uh, he wasn't perfect by any stroke of the imagination, but he did not give up on her and he offered her assistance and support. He made her laugh. Uh, he helped her uh, behind the scenes, not that they were mavericks in what they were doing to solve this crime, but they um, they did do a few things that probably didn't fall under exact protocol. And I like that about him, mm-hmm. that he was uh, willing to take risk uh, for right, for justice, for the woman he loved, and and to honor God in the process. Hmm, that's neat. That's good to have someone like that in your life. So, um, like I said, this is um, our theme for More to Life is um, helping others find more to life. So what brings you more to life? Maybe it's a um, life verse that you have. Maybe it's a ministry that you're involved with. Um, my life verse, um, Jeremiah 29, but if I say I will not mention him uh, or speak anymore in his, in his name, you know, it, if, if you go to that verse, it talks about Jeremiah saying, I'm done, I'm finished, but I can't help it. This, this, this thing of God is just burning in my heart and I've got to let it out. And so I think that is what what moves me and forces me and is that that strength uh, that I find is that God purposed me to write. And even when I don't feel like it, even when the subject matter is tough, like some of it was in facing the enemy, uh, even when I've got to have a, a talk with someone that's not going to be comfortable, 
God gives me the words because that's the gift he's given me. Mm. And so I have a passion for the downtrodden. I have a, a, a passion for all of those who feel that their past just deletes uh, any, any access to God because of what they've done. And that, that to me is important that it's not just the, the people who run down the aisle to meet Jesus at age four that God is interested. He's more interested in those who have lived the life that may not have honored him, but chose him instead. Hmm. So that that is, um, that's my uh, bandwagon to reach those people through the written word and the speaking to let them know how much God loves them and it doesn't matter what they've done. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really neat. Speaking of your passion, I saw that you help others pursue their passion, whether it be, it seemed maybe someone who is interested in writing as well. Do you teach like courses and things on that? Is that? I do. uh, I, I mentor, I do some editing. When I felt God calling me into the writing ministry, it was balanced with whatever you learn, no matter what it is, make sure that you share that with another serious writer. And I've always believed that, and I've always said serious, because not every writer who comes to you uh, is serious. They're just maybe fishing for information or not willing to do the work. And God's given me a gift to be able to discern those types of writers. So if you're a writer and you want to learn and you want to better your craft, you know, I want to come on board and share with you what little bit I know to help you improve your craft and help you to move closer to your writing and publishing goals. Oh, that's so neat. That's neat to be able to share the gifts that God has given you to help others too. So facing the enemy, is there anything else about the book that you want want readers to know or anything about your writing in general? I touch on uh, different themes in that story. And I mentioned before that one of them uh, is adoption. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have four sons, three who are adopted. And uh, I, I touch on some uh, baby trafficking mm-hmm. that I always wondered about my boys. Were they, you know, how would I have felt if I learned later that that the adoption wasn't legal and the child came from illegal means, how would I ever handle that? Thank you for bringing that up. I, you did mention adoption earlier and we didn't really go into that. Are all of your children adopted or? No, I have three uh, adopted sons, one in heaven and then one biological son. I call it my fault, Uh, (laughs) but you know, that love, whether it's, uh, born of the heart or born in, in, of the womb uh, doesn't doesn't change, isn't different. It's, uh, I, I think that when you adopt and you want that child so badly and you're willing to open your arms to whatever uh, that child will be, 
I think that it takes courage and it takes guts. And I didn't learn how much courage and guts and love that it took until, uh, you know, the, the boys were a little older, but I wouldn't change any of it. Oh, did you adopt all three of them at the same time or? No, six weeks apart. Oh, wow. Uh, I adopted um, a, a little boy who was uh, two and a half. And six weeks later, I adopted uh, a four month old uh, baby boy. And then six weeks later, adopted the middle boy's half brother who was 23 months old. Then when the four month old was 18 months old, I got pregnant and had another boy. <sighs> I was told I could never have any children. So, and wow. I was like, oh, wow, I had four boys under the age of four. Oh, <laughs> what was I thinking? Um, oh, wow. That must have been an interesting time in your life. That's a good way to describe it. It was very <laughs> interesting. Sarah. And exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Oh, well, that's really neat. Thank you for sharing that um, part of your life. Oh, you are so fascinating. So welcome. I think if we're not transparent with those who read our books or potentially read the books or just curious, if we aren't transparent, I think that we lose out because we're not sharing what could be an asset for someone else. Absolutely. I know some of the things that you shared, I just imagine obviously other people have walked that same road too and can relate and learn from the things that you've been through. So thank you for being vulnerable and transparent and sharing those things. I appreciate that. You are so welcome. So um, if someone does want to learn more about you or your books, is there some place that they could go to find that? Sure. Uh, my website is uh, dianemills.com and it's D-I-A-N-N-M-I-L-L-S.com. And you can connect with me. You can see what all I do. And uh, I encourage your listeners to email me. Let me know what you're doing. You know, I love a new friend. <laughs> and, uh, and if there's any way I can help you with anything, of course I will. Thanks for listening to the More to Life podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast and join us again. We would also love for you to invite a friend and write a review, which helps others find our podcast. And for more encouraging stories and testimonies from authors and artists, you can also visit our website, mtlmagazine.com, where we hope you'll find more to life.